Dear God, our Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we give you thanks, Father, for who you are. God, we give you thanks that you've given us your word. God, that tells us about you. Lord, as we look tonight at the deity of your son, Jesus, as we continue this deep topic, Father, we just ask you to send your Holy Spirit here. God, there are so many who, who have been around your word, God. But God, those words don't do anything unless your spirit comes. The old song says, all is vain unless the spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to be here tonight and open your word to us. And let us learn about you for the glory of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I get to fill in for, with, for Tom another week. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, he is in St. Clair County right now learning to be a, an emergency chaplain. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a pretty cool event that he's getting to go through. He's getting to, when, whenever I'm away from Jen, if I have to stay away, um, then I don't have to go eat anywhere that serves anything green. Um, so I, I get real excited about that. So I've been, I've been talking with him, and um, he has discovered, for those of you that don't know, you can go to Milo's, and you can ask for a Koneka burger. And it is a Milo's hamburger with grilled Koneka sausage, split open, laid on top of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, well, I, I heard that. He, he sent me a text about it and, and told me he was eating it right, do it, doing a ride-along in a police car, and I cried a little bit. It just made my day. <laughs> I was proud for him. I know. It, 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 there you go. There was a dietary portion to the, to the class. Well, what you did last week, from what I understand, is you wrapped up talking about the title for Jesus as Son of Man. And um, that, that is one of the, the neatest things. Um, I'm sure that Tom went over the passage in, um, in John, or no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus is talking to the, the, the high priest, and the high priest looks at him and says, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, you have said it, Jesus told him. And that's not where Jesus stops him. You know, you would think that Jesus has just claimed to be the Son of God there, but he keeps on, and he tells him, but I tell you in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then is when the high priest tears his robes and hollers out that Jesus has uttered blasphemy. And the reason for that was that Jesus was quoting from Daniel chapter 7. Remember, Daniel has that vision in the night, and he says, I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man. And I can imagine why Daniel would, would say it like that, because he sees this man. But he also sees in that same visions that he's coming with the clouds of heaven. And that doesn't add up. It's kind of like if you were driving down the road and you saw a brand new Kubota tractor, and there was a guy on that tractor, and he was running that tractor, and he was running it right, and making it work, and nothing was falling off of it, and you looked on it, and you thought it was me, I'm sure if you saw that, you would not call somebody and say, I saw Chad Strong on a Kubota tractor. 
you would say something like, I saw this guy look like Chad Strawn. He was on a Kubota tractor, and he was making that thing sing because I have broken more Kubota tractors than I have ever ridden on successfully. There, there's a man in East Texas right now who I am sure that I have driven to drink because he had me work on a Kubota tractor when I was in East Texas one day. Well, Daniel sees this man coming on the clouds of heaven, and this man approaches the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days, who would be God the Father, gives this Son of Man dominion and glory and a kingdom. So that title, Son of Man goes with that kingdom. And so Daniel didn't have anything that he could add to, that he could, it didn't compute. So when he starts his vision, he says, I saw one who was like a son of man. And when Jesus there in, in Matthew's gospel quotes that passage, well, the high priest tears his clothes because he considers this blasphemy, this title of son of man. Well, tonight what we're going to look at is we're going to look at Jesus as the son of God. And what I want to do, and remember, as, as a teacher, I always like to set out my objective for you. So what I want to do is I want us to look at just a couple of passages in a, in a gospel and then in an epistle. And I think I'm gonna, my microphone's going to die on me. Um, and where Jesus is referred to as Son of Man. And then I want us to try to hit five things for why that matters to us, for Jesus being the Son of God. I mean, it sounds great. That's awesome, but why is that good news? It's all right for us to ask that. Why is that good news for us to know that Jesus is the Son of God? So we're going to look at a couple of spots in Scripture, and then I want us to hit five things, and then we'll be done tonight. Can we dig it? Let's do, the, let's do that then. So, Son of God. There's a lot of things that, or a couple of things that it can refer to. First off, Son of God can refer to Israel. In Matthew chapter 2, where we're in the birth narrative, um, they, Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it says, He stayed there. This is in Egypt because the, the, the Holy Family flees to Egypt during Herod's lifetime. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, Hosea may have well, very well been looking back to Egypt, the calling out of Israel from Egypt in the Exodus, and looking also through the Spirit forward. So, Son of God can refer to Israel. Son of God can refer to a man made by God. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke's another one of our Gospel writers who gives us a family tree for Jesus. And when he gets all the way down to the end of it, because he traces Jesus' family tree all the way back to Adam. So in Luke 3, 38, as he wraps up his family tree, he says, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, so son of God can be Israel. Son of God can be a man made by God. Son of God... Paul uses the term son, son or sons of God to refer to the redeemed in Romans. In Romans chapter 8, 14, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, of course, the capital letter disappears there. It's a little, a little S for sons. 
And in verse 19 of chapter 8, he says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And in Romans 8.23, he says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, don't think that God's overlooking girls. Understand that when he's talking here as our adoption as sons, in this culture that Paul would have been writing to, adoption was, was, was there. It was, still a, it was a practice at that time. Boys and girls were adopted. The thing about adopting a girl as a daughter, she gets no inheritance from you. None at all. When Paul writes to us and when Paul wrote to his friends in Rome and he says that we wait for our adoption as sons, when he says that the Spirit, we had the Spirit who within us cries out, Abba, Father, we're adopted as sons and we have that inheritance. No matter whether we're male or female, that inheritance is ours, not because of us, it has no bearing on us. It has every bearing on Jesus and his work of redemption on the cross. There are several instances where the Son of God, where Son of God refers to Jesus as the heavenly, eternal Son who is equal to God himself. So I want to look at a couple of those with you. And the best one that I can think of was Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 6. And that's the transfiguration, where it says this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured in front of them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. That's Jesus. And then Peter, I love Peter here. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I will set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, I love it that God the Father steps in and he's like, shh. And in an audible voice says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Here's Moses, the man who was the lawgiver. He was synonymous with the law. You couldn't think of one without the other. Here was Elijah. He was the prophet. He represents the prophets. These men represent the written word that these men would have had in their hands or at least in the temple at that time. And God the Father says, This is my Son. Listen to Him. Giving that authority to Jesus. In Hebrews, I told you we'd hit a gospel and we'd hit an epistle. In Hebrews chapter 1, the first eight verses, it says this. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by prophets at different times and in other ways, in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God appointed him 
heir of all things. Remember how we talked about being adopted as sons involves that inheritance? Jesus is the chief heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. The, the Greek word there, we get the word character from. It's the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Well, that sentence you could spend a month on that sentence where Jesus comes in and the earthly high priest would have stood by the mercy seat. Jesus comes into the heavenly holy of holies and he walks in and he doesn't stand. He comes in and he sits down in that place of authority, in that spot where he says, my work is sufficient. He's not there by the blood of goats. He's not there by the, by the blood of lambs and animals. He's there by his own sinless, spotless blood as the Son of God. And the writer keeps on and he says, For to which of his angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. So he became superior to angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. Now, about his angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to his son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter justice. So we've got Jesus as son of God listed in those two spots. And that is, that, that's a truth that as, as believers, you and I both hold, you and I all hold on to. But you need to know why that's good news. So I want to hit five things with you real quick. Five things. First off, and we'll spend a lot of time in John. Do you remember the last time I talked with you? that we, we talked about what John wrote in his gospel. John, at one point he, in his gospel, as he's writing, he gets to a point and he talks directly to his reader and he says, Jesus did all these things and even more. But I wrote this stuff down. I wrote this down so that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God. John knew how important this is. So the first thing, Looking at Jesus as the Son of God, that tells me that Jesus is unique. There is no one like him. In John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14. In verse 18, John the Apostle says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. And then John records what John the Baptist said about Jesus. These are the words of John the Baptist. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I don't know, I didn't know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, 
He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So Jesus is unique. No one else like him. Second thing is that Jesus, as the Son, reveals the Father. This is pretty cool. At the Last Supper, feet have been washed, the bread and the wine have been eaten, Judas is left, and the disciples are starting to flip out because it's all starting to become real. And you can hear them in John's account. You can hear what the way they're talking. That it's, it's not just calm talking. You can hear the urgency in their voice. And they say this in John 14. Jesus looks at them and he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, if Jesus looks at you and says, Don't let your heart be troubled, chances are your heart has been troubled. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And y'all are like me. You can probably sit there and quote most of this with me, can't you? In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Now Thomas goes nuts. And Thomas goes, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus looks at him and says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And I love Philip because Philip jumps in there. And, Philip, Lord! Anytime you see the disciples say that, I think that's probably the way they would have said it. Lord, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. And I love Jesus because Jesus is with these people. And I, I can, you can almost just see him go, oh. And Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So Jesus reveals to us the Father. Back in Matthew in chapter 11, he talks about how no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone who the Son desires to reveal Him. I want you to just wrap your head around that. That the only reason that you and I know anything about God the Father is that Jesus looked and said, I want you to know Him. How Awesome is that. That this son that we're going to read just all, even more awesome things about that he looked down through history and he said, I want you to know my father. How cool 
fool is that? That's the kind of stuff that you can go to. Knowing that Jesus is the Son of God gives you a foundation that you can go to in the middle of the night when the enemy is whispering to you about your past. When the enemy is telling you that you're not good enough. I'm not good enough, but you know what? Jesus loves me enough that He showed me His Father. And that's, that's going to be good enough for anything. So Jesus reveals the Father. Third thing. How am I doing on time? Ooh, I'm doing good. Third thing. As Son of God, we can trust Jesus for eternal life. Now that's one I want to take to the bank. John, what am I going to? 3.16. Even the most hell-bound sinner who has only just briefly glanced at a Bible knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, if you keep on going down in that same chapter and get down to verse 36, John just lays it out plain. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The only thing keeping you and I from the wrath of God is the Son of God, Jesus. How cool is that? Fourth thing. As Son of God... Jesus is the one who has all authority from the Father to give life, to pronounce judgment, and to rule over all. The Son of God that we read about, the Son of God that we know, the Son of God that we strive to walk with and obey, He's coming again. And when He comes this time, we all know that He's not coming as a babe in a manger that he's coming on a white horse with robes dipped in blood with a name written on his thigh. There you go. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. When we are to follow Jesus, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to do anything on my own. I'm supposed to look to my king and say, and, and do what I see him doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. All greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one. Wow. But has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor, honor the Father who sent Him. Fifth thing. And i got five minutes. Hot dog. 
fifth thing. As, Je- as son, Jesus has been sent by the Father, and therefore he existed before he came into the world. And I can't wrap my head quite around that sometimes. I can't. And, and you know what? To me, that's a good thing. I've shared with y'all my background of growing up in the Worldwide Church of God. I can understand the concept of God as a family. I can wrap my head around that. I can look at that and go, well, God is the Father, Jesus is the Son. I I can wrap my head around that. When I look into the Trinity, when I look into the nature of God, I can't wrap my head around that. And I don't think I'm supposed to. I think I'm just supposed to spend the rest of my life on this earth pondering that. Because studying who God is reminds me who I'm not. Knowing who God is lets me know about what He's doing and therefore what I'm supposed to do. So this last thing, I wanted to share with you um, the the passage in John, because this is all hanging out in John for the Son of God, is that when Jesus is at the temple at the Feast of Dedication, and he shows up, and it was the Feast of Dedication. This is John chapter 10. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered to him, It's not for good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered to them, I love what, this is so cool what he does. He looks at him and he quotes a psalm. That's why what we do in here on Sunday morning, the songs that we sing, matter. Us hearing the Psalms read to us, you know, we just finished up Psalm 119. That matters. Why does it matter? Well, look what Jesus does. Jesus could have done any number of things in this argument, but he turns to the Psalms and he says, Is is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? He quotes Psalm 82 verse 6 to them. If he called them God's, to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken. I can almost see him wagging his finger at him. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into this world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? (laughs) If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So those five things, Jesus is unique. Jesus, I can trust for eternal life. Jesus reveals to me the Father. 
Jesus is the one who has all authority. And Jesus existed with God the Father and was consecrated and sent by him to do his work here on earth. Those five things I can hold on to by knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. So before we close, um, any questions about Jesus is Son of God? This isn't a question. I just want to throw it out there. Four verses. Proverbs 30, 1 through 4. The words of Augur, the son of Yahweh, the oracle, or the prophecy. The man saith unto Ithiel, unto Ithiel and Nephi, Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. And I have not learned wisdom, neither have I the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if you know it? What is his name and what is his son's name? That's pretty cool. And that's out of Proverbs, isn't it? Yep, 30. Proverbs 30. Any questions about Jesus, the Son of God? There you go. Anything? Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I thought what we would... Any other questions? Thought what we would do before we close tonight? Um, I'll just close with what we've heard a bunch of times. Hearing that Jesus is the Son of God, focusing on His nature, it's like plugging into a power source for you and I. Doing that, really focusing on it, really sharing that, it just makes it well up in you, and you want to share it. I think that's why Paul wrote what he wrote in Colossians. And we've heard Tom say it a ton of times from the pulpit. He loves to quote this scripture. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul focusing on Jesus as the Son of God is what gave him the strength to walk away from everything. 
walk away from his position in his faith in, as a Jew, walk away and face persecution, walk away and eventually face death. Focusing on Jesus as the Son of God, it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for us.